I'm going to talk about uh, the work we've been doing on essentially demonstrator projects in the UK. So um, at Newcastle University, we, we work with the um, electricity distribution companies quite closely on, on the efforts they've put into demonstrating energy storage. Um, we also work on some uh, more sort of fundamental research, and I'll touch on that, that later on. So I wanted to give you a bit of context, and this fits quite nicely with the slide that um, was put up by DEC earlier, showing the sort of evolution of energy storage research over the last hundred years, but I think there's been a, a, a what I've said, a, a latest wave of, of research um, um, that we've been involved in. And I'll just give a very brief uh, survey of, of, of the demonstration projects that, have, that are in place in the UK. Then I'm going to give a bit more detail on a couple of case studies, um, talk about the technical objectives of these case studies, the commercial objectives, and also about the regulatory um, environment. Then I'm going to have a slightly broader uh, look at what the, what the universities in the UK are doing in energy storage research. So, by my definition, the latest wave of storage research started around 2007, um, where we were involved in a, in a project called Aura NMS, which is the Auton Autonomous Regional Active Network Management System, which was a university um, industry collaboration looking at um, uh, essentially what we're just now calling smart grids. Um, but there's this tiny little com component of this project was to put an energy storage project into a bit of uh, UK power networks, 11 kilovolt network um, in the east of England. And that project ran from 2007 to 2013. In the end, it, it, it went through two, two funding cycles. First, this um, uh, research funding, and then what also a, a funding stream that's been mentioned, the Low Carbon Networks Fund, which was the uh, UK regulator Ofgem has allocated half a billion pounds over a five-year period, so it was also funded through that. Um, from the DNO's point of view, UK Power Networks, they wanted to put some energy storage onto a network to deal with all the, the issues they had about safety, um, connections, um, and to get, start to get an idea about how the storage could be used for their, for their networks. So they brought in um, the universities, ourselves, to uh, think about how to operate the storage plant, how to evaluate it and how to um, design the, the systems that would be needed to do that. So um, there's a, a, a figure here which I'll not discuss in detail, but essentially it shows um, uh, results from a, an experiment that we ran. We, um, we designed the instrumentation that was required for this, the control algorithms that had to be embedded into the systems that were installed at the plant. And it, it also shows um, some of the, the, the limitations of doing a demonstration project. Um, you can see on, on the figure there's a, a, a brown line here which is held nice and flat, which is the, uh, the, the control system we did. But then the, the, the variable that we were um, adjusting for goes somewhat off the scale, which is why that the uh, control variable that we're following isn't able to hold that steady line. And that's just um, sort of illustrating one aspect demonstrators that they're not necessarily at full scale. So we have to deal with the, the limitations of demonstration projects sometimes. Um, this is a figure from the Energy Storage Network, an organization in, in the UK who uh, essentially represent the industry, and they've, it's just a nice representation of the, the, the scale of demonstration projects that are being, being put into electricity networks um, in the UK. Uh, this was at 2013, where we had um, about um, uh, 20, uh, sorry, seven megawatts of electricity um, storage installed in, in the networks um, and there's an aspiration 
from this organization to get up to two gigawatts of storage by, by 2020. They're trying to push, push for this to happen. But we have a, the, the pumped hydro systems that have already been in the UK, been there for a while, but we also have um, batteries and liquid air storage um, um, exchanging power with, with the grid in the UK. From a demonstration point of view, these are really led by the distribution network operators. They, we have to get um, access to the networks, and in sort of the last couple of years, it is maybe becoming the case that some storage is going onto the network without the sort of um, help assistance from the DNOs right from the start. Um, but uh, a, a lot of projects have been initiated by the distribution network op operators through the funding mechanism that's been provided by the, by the regulator. So you can see we've got storage ranging from um, 50 kilowatts up to 6 megawatts in terms of power and um, storage durations from um, 15 minutes up to several, several hours. We also have a mixture of technologies out on the, out on the grid, um, predominantly lithium-ion, but also lead-acid, liquid air, and sodium nickel chloride. Undoubtedly, there are a few others, um, but this is kind of the... The, the, the main tranche of them. So I'm going to look at a couple of case studies that we've done with two of the UK distribution network operators, uh, Northern Power Grid, who operate in the north east of the UK, and UK Power Networks, who operate in the, in the south um, southeast. The, there was a, a project uh, funded to about a level of about £50 million called the Customer-Led Network Revolution, or CLNR, which was what has been the largest smart grid project in the UK. Um, that closed um, last year. Um, but the objectives of this project were to understand how customers are behaving and how they're going to behave in the, in the future. This learning objective one. Uh, understanding what flexibility customer, customers could give to the network, so typically um, thoughts around demand, demand response. Um, looking at the network flexibility, um, so things like energy storage, but also real-time thermal ratings, voltage <coughs> control um, techniques. Um, LO4 is about how to combine these, these technologies together and also the social, social dimension and the costs. And then the last part of the project was to, to, to bring that into business as usual from, from the research. So if you think of that uh, visually, so we have the... The customer technologies down at the bottom, we're going to see more PV, more heat, more transport coming into the electricity network. Um, customers are going to participate through smart metering, perhaps, um, through uh, time of use tariffs and through industrial, industrial and commercial demand response. Um, and then we've got um, the network technology side of, of the right there where we can bring in energy storage, voltage control, thermal ratings. And as I say, that was carried out across the... Um, Northern Power Grid distribution network, which is from Scotland down to the bottom of Yorkshire in the UK. So in terms of energy storage, there was a five, uh, five megawatt hour, two and a half megawatt lithium ion storage system put into a primary substation. Um, and this slide shows um, the combination of two technologies. Um, the green line at the top of the graph which has the dips in it is the uh, ampacity of the, the lines coming into this, this sub substation. Um, so you can see that the, the ampacity is dropping so the ability to transfer current is reducing and that's in fact reducing to a level that's lower than the, um, uh, uh, than the demand at times and that's picked up by, by operating the energy storage system. So this is 
um, showing how combining two, two technolo network technologies um, can relieve a, relieve a constraint in the network. Uh, with UK power networks, um, we've looked at um, installing energy storage to relieve a, a network constraint. Um, the conventional solution for a substation that becomes overloaded is to bring in a, a third circuit. So we have to have two circuits coming in. So a substation is only one circuit fails, the substation has to keep operating. Um, so if, if one circuit can't supply the substation, you have to bring in another circuit. Um, UK PowerNotes chose not to do that, but instead to install energy storage. So this, this is the first storage project um, in the UK which is addressing a actual issue in the, in the system. If this uh, storage system hadn't been built, then the DNO would have to carry out the reinforcement. The storage system at current um, market prices is more expensive than the reinforcement, but it has advantages in that you can gain revenues from operating in the uh, ancillary service markets as well as um, providing the network security that it's providing. So the, for the DNO's point of view, the, the key thing is to, um, to take out that little red triangle of excess energy and power um, when, this, when the substation's overloaded. So to be able to work out when to do that, we need to have an idea of what the, what the demand's going to be. So um, at the university, we've looked into the, the, the demand, demand forecasting at this substation, and the, the colourful plot at the right-hand side shows the, um, the, the, the likelihood of having different levels of loading um, throughout the day um, at the substation. So by forecasting the demand, it allows us to work out when we need to hold energy and power in the, in the energy storage in order to um, maintain the network security. Because we want to gain revenue from other services, we have to plan ahead um, for when we can provide those services. So we've also developed a uh, scheduling system which uh, takes the power and energy demands of all the services that you might want to uh, participate in and works out how those can be combined um, over, over time. Um, so it's a, a layering process of so the graph at the top there is just the energy and power required to deliver peak shaving. And then given that, um, we can see that we can provide some power and energy for uh, ancillary service as well. If you want more details on it, I'll have to talk to you about it later on given the time. But essentially, we, we can take a demand forecast, work out what peak shaving we need to do, layer a commercial service, then layer another commercial service, and then evaluate the likely um, or the expected value of, um, of carrying out each of those um, alternatives. Um, so this gives uh, UKPN a, a capability of um, optimizing the um, deployment of the energy storage to different services. Um, so I got this figure from, from UKPN, from Nick Hayward, um, who I believe spoke here last year, um, about what, what the battery's been doing over the last 11 months. So you can see that it's um, been set aside for peak shaving, so that will be over the last, the last winter peak, um, for 9% of the time. Um, it's been set aside to do operating, provide operating reserves for 62% of the time, and there's others in there as well. And then there's another figure which is showing the proportion of revenues from each of those services. So the, the big win on that one is the, uh, the triad. Um, peak shaving conspicuously doesn't appear on the revenues um, achieved because it's not, there's no ancillary service in distribution networks for peak shaving, so it doesn't have a value. It's something the DNO has to do, 
but it, it, it's, it's, um, you can't quantify it in the same ways as this. Okay, I'll not talk through this, but essentially through the SNS project, um, there was also uh, a, a quite a lot of detail examined on the regulatory issues, and it was taken from a, a DNO perspective, but also looking at the, um, the broader um, industry as well. Should, should DNOs own storage, or should, um, should it be done through third-party arrangements? So in the little bit of time I've got left, I'll just tell you a little bit about the sort of broader work of the universities in the UK in, in energy storage, um, how, that, how that's funded and what the contribution of the universities is. So the projects I've been talking about so far are, are funded through the, the, through the regulator, Ofgem, through their network innovation uh, mechanisms, which have evolved over the last few years. The research councils, which is government funding, um, has a number of programs in energy storage, particularly um, ones called the, the Grand Challenge projects, and um, they've also made capital investments available for energy, energy storage uh, demonstrations, which I'm going to just highlight a couple of those. Um, DEC are also funding projects, and we have um, other mechanisms in the UK called the Catapults and, and Innovate UK. And essentially, these research streams cover different levels of technology readiness um, to try and get the initial research done into intermediate and uh, close to market stuff as well. Um, so in the universities, um, there was this capital grant, and I'm going to show examples of, of how the universities of Manchester, Birmingham, Sheffield, Warwick, Oxford, and ourselves have um, uh, used money to, to in, invest in our facilities. Um, so I had this from Manchester. They have a, a, a grid-connected storage system, um, which is about 200, 250 kilowatts, um, and they're using that to uh, investigate real-time control platforms. It's connected to an LV network in a city center so they can um, uh, see how it works in that context. They want to optimize battery performance um, and um, look at the techno-economic assessment of that. There's contact details of the uh, researchers in Manchester who are working on that. Also at Manchester, they're looking, as well as the grid-connected um, control questions, they're looking at the, the actual energy storage media itself, um, so running discharge um, tests on, on, the, on different storage uh, devices to get their life cycle performance uh, and parameterize those, uh, those things. Uh, you're going to hear more about liquid air today, so I'm not going to say much about this, but um, there's a, a, a pilot plant at the University of Birmingham. Uh, Yulong Ding is in the room. I'm sure we'll be pleased to tell you more about, about that. Um, a technology which I hadn't got in my uh, original list further up is uh, a lithium titanate battery, which has been put in by the um, University of Sheffield. Again, grid-connected. Um, I think this is an 11 kV-connected system. Um, um, trying, trying to achieve similar objectives to, to, to Manchester. And then just a, a broader look across uh, University of Oxford, Warwick, and ourselves at Newcastle. Um, the, the Oxford are looking at the actual materials science that's going into, um, into the, the battery development. Um, and then at, at Newcastle, we have a, an energy storage test bed where we have a very flexible um, power converter system, 360 kVA system, that allows us to connect in different energy storage systems and also other um, uh, energy converters um, to, to run through 
uh, different control, control scenarios. So just to summarize then, um, I think universities continue to have a, a big role in energy storage research. Um, we, in terms of the demonstrations particularly, we get involved in the experimental design, how we're gonna run these, um, these pilots. Um, modeling activities, so before the trials are carried out, what we're, gonna, what we're expecting to see, how's that gonna affect our design of the control systems. And then a, a big uh, effort in trial analysis. And at Newcastle, we developed this approach of validation, extension, extrapolation, enhancement and generalization. So this is the process of how we take our initial findings from pre-trial modeling um, and relate it back to the, to the actual trials and then uh, use the modeling framework that we then validated to, to look at how we extend, extrapolate and enhance what we've done, which is maybe combining different technologies, expanding the capacity of the t devices that we've used. Um, and then we want to uh, disseminate that um, as widely as possible, which is why I'm here today. So. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you very much.